0: But yes, first of all, thank you for honoring the invite and coming to the podcast. Really, I don't—we don't take that for granted at all. When people give us the chance to come and share some stories with us, so yes, you sent me a bio last minute, which is very interesting. I will read it for the audience. So Collins, Michael Dambola Chalo, I like your name, by the last name, now Chalo, it's—I it's, like it. Like it's a story. So Collins Mike Mbola Chalo is a seasoned full-stack developer, innovative tech leader, and passionate advocate for the tech ecosystem in Africa. A native of Kampala, Uganda, Collins embodies the spirit of progressive innovation and entrepreneurship that is driving the continent forward. His journey in the tech world began with fascination for coding, and it wasn 't long before he was building applications and solutions that were solving real world problems uh, in the podcast call you' love to tell us some of these, so he, he has worked extensively in various tech positions, including at prestigious companies such as Andela and Pareto, developing and maintaining software applications that enhance business efficiency and profitability. Collins is a fellow at Sigma Squad Society, a global community of young entrepreneurs on a mission to transform broken industries. His commitment to startup communities further evident in his work with Wape, a talent marketplace. His he peer headed to address the shortage of job opportunities for graduates in Africa. That's really pretty cool, man. It's pretty pretty cool. With Wape, he's made significant strides towards democratizing access to digital skills and jobs. His professional experiences span diverse industries and continents. In Hong Kong, he served as a technical team lead for GitStat. While in San Francisco, he was a web developer for Medable Inc. And a software engineer for Payway. At Archetype in New York, he designed and developed software solutions tailored to API companies. Colin, Colin's, works, Colin's, work, Colin's work is not only about software development... He is a public speaker. This is again why he's now on decompositions. conversations mm-hmm. An intellectual discourse enthusiast and a toastmaster. <laughs> Fluent in both JavaScript and Python, Collins navigates the world of tech and innovation with poise and finance. In the words of Collins, I do not just write lines of code. I create pathways for progress, empowerment, and transformation. His devotion to tech ecosystem and African startup scene is unwavering. Collins is indeed a force to with group with within the global tech sphere. <laughs> this is such a long intro. But I agree with it, by the way. I Just for the listeners, I've also got a chance to work with you on our project. And truly, really, I've been uh, inspired. Your leadership is amazing. I like how you uh, just self you let your team mates just do their work. Yeah. But yes, from your intro, please, tell me about it. Talk to, talk to us about it yeah, yeah. Um, how yeah, you resent it, is into it. like I told you doing the most it. yeah <laughs> uh, but well you prompted it and yeah, this exactly. is what it, it came up with yeah, exactly. still trying to define my problem yeah. our biggest problem as as what Yeah. so right now our biggest problem is business yeah? yeah we we feel like the business is generally slow but because of the scope of how it's designed yeah. um so we're looking to hire salespeople, but these salespeople are put together like a whole sales strategy yeah. that defines our value propositions, picked out businesses that might need the services we give and what not. Uh, but then it's to find the skill that can actually sell, yeah. needs someone who actually does the business, maybe the, the content creator themselves, mm-hmm. and then, then they can sell that idea to a company, to. Do the content or we already need people who are almost like marketing managers to to change around ads we're into the business of recording ads and shooting content so our biggest problem is sales right yeah. we want a sales team but we have tried uh, getting people facilitating them to town and it's frustrating yeah. like uh it's, you can't really measure how much you're giving them and maybe you, you really can't follow them through to like go make your sales or whatnot yeah. so it becomes that tricky for us, but we want a sales team. But then we only because we don't have business. Right. So we don't need it full time like you explained. Yet. Yeah. So how does WAPI help us?
1: Yeah, sure thing. So what we'll do in that case is one like identify looking for like physical sales, or are you looking for like digital sales, right? Um, and physical being like what you've talked about food soldiering, people going here yeah, doing door to door. Or are you looking for people to actually go around online, generate leads, uh, reach out to these leads, set up meetings with these leads mm. and sort of like get you business that way, right? Um and that usually. No, we're looking
0: people. for people who let me let me just come in. So we're looking for people who can identify, say, a business yeah. and what we can do for that business, mm. and then convince in that context. business that they need to do. Mm. See say a telecom. Yeah. We need a guy who can like um, come up with an ad that is going to we need a whole digital we need to sell to like digital marketing agencies, to marketing agencies yeah. for us to get business that can help us scale out, right? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah,
1: that's that's actually an interesting case there. I um, think that case would set that out as sort of like a gig uh a gig based approach, right? Yeah. Because again you don't need these people here full time. Yes. So you need some people who are creative enough to like come up with this content and then like push it to this company. So in that case, we like tell you, okay, cool. So these are the people we have. We like present the opportunity to them, right? Tell them, okay, cool. Your term needs this done and that, but it's on a gig basis. Like it's not full-time work. So they like present their submissions. uh, And of course they're like terms of engagement. Either we say, uh, this is like a trial submission. Make that clear. And these mm-hmm. are, like, some of the things that were always... were always trying to be important. So they submit, they'll be like, okay, cool. So they've given you an ad to, like, go and show Safe Border, let's say. And then you go and you do this with Safe Border. If at the end of the day, this works out and you've, like, sort of made money, mm-hmm. then that gig pays mm-hmm. for, like, the the work they have done, right? So the argument is, if you've closed Safe Border, um, Safe Border has given us this much money, you're getting paid this much, Right. That's how we envision it. if we're doing like a need basis.
0: So, but this is how WAPI operates. Like you, uh, you get me a job, yeah. then that job pays you yes. as WAPI. Yeah. Okay. So it's results. How can I term it? Result oriented. Like pretty I have to first get the job. Pretty much. Yeah.
1: It's not that you're at WAPI and you're getting paid for time. No, no, no. Mm. You have to first get something and then you get paid for that work actually, like that you've like done. We found that that's the more sustainable way to do it, right? Uh, and this, I guess, also came from like my experience being at Andela, where I initially we were there, and yeah. Like it was because Andela is also
0: just trading developers. Yes. No, okay. And initially, it was like a good life because
1: even if you were working, on not you were still getting paid, right? And that was cool. Yeah, guys, guys are boiling, making money. Up until one day when they are like, you know yeah. what?
0: Yeah, this yeah, can't
1: be going well, and that's when they sucked people. So yeah, learning from that, I was like. If we're building WAPI, we, can't commit the same mistake.
0: Uh, that's, that's interesting. How how sustainable is that though? Like uh, to these people, how yeah. do you drive traffic to to get us to get the people that sign up jobs?
1: Yeah, for the people that oh wait, the people that put their jobs or the people that want their jobs.
0: The people that want their jobs. Ah, so the problem you're solving. It's crazy that
1: for the people that want their jobs, like they come in. We actually haven't invested, I would say, a single cent in, like, marketing, marketing or, or anything like that, right? We've been running our social media channels, Instagram, Twitter. I think Twitter a lot, because that's where they are. the target audience where people are looking for are at and engaging with that. And then Instagram, uh, running Twitter spaces, running lives, mm-hmm. uh, being at these events. And that attracts the people, right? So we've created some sort of awareness. It may not be as big, but it has worked for us on, like, the demand side. Um, the side where it gets tricky is now the businesses themselves that are looking to hire these people, right? And I think that's where it, it becomes uh, tricky. But what we've tried to do is, like, we're doing LinkedIn. You reach out to LinkedIn and you see people who are posting jobs and you reach out to those guys and you're like, hey, do you know you could use WAPI? Or sometimes we even go at, like, events where there are companies and talk to those companies. Like a random event where companies are meeting up, you talk to the people. That's how you get to, like, uh, find your, I guess, next person hire.
0: Yeah. I feel like that's really genius though that the whole job problem solving thing because that seems to be how do you how do you rate the job market? Though? Do you feel like people are doing stuff that is employable? I'd say it's it's a mix, honestly. Because um... I've had some conversations with employers, right? Yeah. And um, often, on end, they, they, they bring up that. Whole, uh, there's not enough skill for us to like scale out to what we want. Uh, yeah. We have mediocre skill to like people to to reimburse people what what's their worth. Yeah. yeah. Uh, return on investment to to the labor doesn't yeah. make sense to most employers. Yeah. How do you feel about that?
1: I, I feel it's it's midway right. Mm-hmm. Well, okay, not even midway. There are people who are like really really good at their craft, and I would say they are maybe not even still getting paid like their worth. Or there are those who are really good at their craft and they choose to export their talent or skills to yeah, places yeah, where they can yeah. get paid, right? And I think software developers are the best example. You'll find most guys exactly. here who are good don't want to work with a Ugandan company because mm. they're going to pay you little. So I think that's a problem these employers are finding. They'll, the people that then fit into their budget are the people that don't have the good enough skills. Right? <laughs> Yet the people who are really skilled don't fit within their budget. So there's that imbalance right there but at the same time, yeah, it's true. They're like people who actually aren't good enough. Like, you, if you were to put us on a scale between Kenya and Uganda and talent, like, man, Kenya, in some sort of way, their talent is refined, but they're also very organized in the things that they're doing, right? then When you go to Nigeria, yeah, I was are, going to ask you about Nigeria, they're right? hard like they, they know what they want, so they're aggressive, they'll go for it. Ugandans, do are, you put that uh, on
0: individual brilliancy? I've had people, oh, there's a top, ah, Ugandans, Nigerians are smash people, things like that. see no. that makes sense.
1: I don't think it's individual brilliancy, I think it's this the context within which you're raised, right? Here, we're taught to like be laid back, don't be so aggressive. Hey, what will people say? You're mm. overdoing it. Out there, no, it's normal. Like, if you want something, go for it, right? Yeah. And of course, there are edge cases of people who are here, and for them, okay, yeah, they're go-getters. But for most of us, it's, you know, just be laid back, things will happen, don't over-fight. So, yeah, context.
0: Okay. So, what would you say is the biggest problem facing the tech ecosystem in Africa? Hmm.
1: Capital. I'd say it's capital. And why capital? Because... I don't know if you know this interesting story about Silicon Valley and how Silicon Valley actually came to be Silicon Valley. Mm-hmm. There was a time when um, I think there needed to be innovation within the United States, right? Yeah. So these big organizations, these big universities, came together and like brought a lump sum of cash, and then they were like, "Okay, cool. We need to drive innovation as much as possible." Right. Mm-hmm. So they got that lump sum of cash and dropped it into. The area where silicon valley is and they were like whoever has ideas we're going to f- support you with this money to build this right so with that money and resources they were able to build much much faster like grow exponentially
0: yeah. so it, any idea could pass really. exactly yeah. right
1: because yeah, you, you have the money you have to the resources just experiment with everything. everything yes so i don't believe in all these are things where people say expertise simania learning you know if there is money to I'll put my life
0: to it. Yeah. I get you. Yeah. That's that's simply
1: it. So capital. We don't have money to like make these things
0: happen. With your experience, how have you worked around capital? You have in your bio that guy just yeah. removed that video, but you had explained <laughs> such a heavy bio to yeah. us. So how have you worked around capital? I we've also hosted some uh venture capitalists on the yeah. podcast and the argument is around that the capital is there. Yeah. We have the money. It's just that people are not serious. Uh, the Other guys talk about the formalization, um, how we want to mm-hmm. mostly operate our business mm-hmm. informally, yeah. which I also don't really agree. But for you, how have you worked around capital? Do you... You, you just stated it's one of the problems. Yeah, it's definitely
1: one of the problems. Mm-hmm. And for me, it's it's been a battle of having to balance how we get capital. Now, for AP, what I've done is... I do consultancy work on the side with, like, U.S. companies and good money. And then that's what I'm putting into WAPI, right? That's what we're using to run things. And in other cases, you then try to, like, run a very tight-knit operation whereby you're making sure you're not spending too much. And, yeah, things are moving. But, again, because you're not spending too much, you can't grow like this, right? So you have to grow slowly. And that comes to like the thing that these venture capitalist, capitalist people are talking about. Hmm. When they're investing their money, they expect that they get 10x or 100x, right? But when you look at most of the companies we have here, that's not possible because they do not have initial investment to grow that much, right? From the start, instead of fighting for growth, they're fighting for survival, which isn't the case out yeah. there where venture capital has actually become big.
0: Yes, people are not fighting for survival at all. Yeah. Well. Yeah, yeah. People are just... hey, I've They're been been experimenting with everything. let yes. doing yes. crazy things and see what happens. But that's not the case here. So the venture capitalists
1: can't expect people to really get that if they do not have a grounding, right? They... I like how someone put it one time, that safety net. Yes, right? yes. Uh, even like like, you can just
0: always fall back exactly and right. restart something else. But I here, you depend it. on this one thing and it has to work. And yeah. So, yeah, that's,
1: I think that's, that's the problem right there. But is it going to change? I think so. And it comes down to like, are there more people like us now that are coming in and understand the problem that are willing to invest, Right. If you see, for example, Zofi Cash just did their 1 million round uh, and all these other founders that are then raising. Mm-hmm. So those are the people that we can now hope can later come back and inject capital into what's happening. And you see that through how it has happened in the US. The PayPal mafia, uh, the White mafias. These people who built earlier companies like Elon Musk and the likes who have amassed a certain amount of wealth and are now the ones investing in like the other people that are coming up.
0: Do you feel like we'll get a Silicon Valley era in Africa where we'll get people to believe in the space and pour yeah. in a lot of money? Yeah, or is yeah, it happening? I think, I think like it's,
1: it's actually already happening, right? Um, in Lagos, Nigeria, you see the guys who founded Andela, the guys who really. founded Flutterwave, yeah. the ease and wants of his life, uh, the shoulders of Paystack. Yes. Those are the guys now investing. Like if you're in Nigeria and you're building a startup, if you have those guys on your cup table and they've given you money, you That's know right. you're going to build something, right? So it's already happening. Like we see these ecosystems that are ahead, are sort of having that ripple effect. Our neighbors, Kenya, are also having the same. Right? So it can and kind of definitely will happen. Um, and yeah, it could be sooner than later. Did you know there's a, like silicone Savannah being built in Kenya? No, I've actually heard about. It. There's like a whole, I think, a hundred acre Kenya is space crazy for- where the guys are actually there, yeah. building a silicone Savannah. Like it's a city just for tech. And I was like, mind blowing. Like what? Oh.
0: So yeah, everything seems to stop in Kenya though, all the time. Like Man. everything stops. <laughs> <laughs> Is it because of our political environment? Do you feel like it's Sometimes, a thing, or do you feel like we don't have the skill? Like you said, yeah. the Kenyans are doing stuff more better organized.
1: Yeah. Hmm. It's yeah. I think it's both political environment and then um, incentives too, right? Because you'll find that. The amount of paperwork, the amount of back and forth you need to, like, set up uh, something here in UG is slightly harder than it is in Kenya, right? That is why you see now Chigali is sort of leap, leapfrogging ahead of us, because guys have made systems easier outside. So it's that uh political structure and, like, bureaucracy, but then again, talent. And talent is still a thing, uh, because... There are already people in Kenya who are already building cool stuff. That's why it became easy for the likes of Microsoft, Amazon, mm-hmm. uh, to actually start up there. And interesting enough, where I think also talent is a key thing is when Andela started in Kenya, when for them to come to Uganda, because they had never thought they could come to Uganda, but when Ugandans started going to Kenya and oh, applying and getting uh-huh. into Andela, like, oh, so there's talent, here. Yeah. There's talent in Uganda. Yeah, yeah. So talent does crazy things. And I think that's why Kenya has benefited a lot from it.
0: Do you think our government has a role to play? Yeah. I
1: I think it definitely does.
0: The way I ask this is, uh, over time, some government people have mm-hmm. taken an interest in listening to the podcast. Yeah. So usually when we highlight problems, we want to also... Give them some solutions from our yes. perspective. Yeah. Yeah. And now, with your experience, what do you think they can do? I think
1: setting up policies that favor like innovation, right? Um, and that can take a whole bunch of things. But off the head, uh, one simple example I can think of is Nigeria already has access to Starlink. Why does it why does it yeah, yeah, okay. Right? America. What would it take
0: for us to how do we get to it's, Elon Musk? It's
1: it's, it's simple yeah. what what's it called? It's simple regulatory yeah. approval, right? Elon Musk said for all the other countries that are left, it's pretty much regulatory approval that's blocking. So is there like so, someone yeah. in the government that's oh. pushing for oh. that? Yeah. Because yeah. instead of looking at it in a way that ah, this you American man is going We're to come and now take this monopoly. Yeah. I think the idea is How many remote areas in Uganda can benefit from having internet access readily available, like no matter, right? Without having to set up fiber optic cables and all these other things. It would be crazy. If we're talking about reaching the last mile and reaching everyone, I think that's one of the ways we can do it. Access to internet. Hmm. Right? That's just one simple example. The other is how are they like regulating um, fees and like levies or taxes that are put onto, I think the best example was recently when they were uh, bringing up this uh, digital tax, right? And I, yeah. I applaud the government for actually rethinking that, right? Because the digital tax wouldn't have affected the companies. It would have affected us as the yeah. individuals, right? Because when they just increased the money. So I guess some of these steps they're already taking, and that's wonderful. But yeah, they can just do more uh, to mm-hmm. provide easier access through regulatory approvals.
0: Do you feel like there are future promising trends for us?
1: Yeah, yeah, I think there are. Um, with the government, they are now invested in uh, doing more programs for startups. Uh, interestingly, NSSF High Innovator, mm. which is, I guess, NSSF still government, but yeah, it, it shows some promise, right? Because I don't think any other East African country has a similar program running, uh, maybe apart from RAND, actually. Then uh, they're now doing partnerships with. Uh, companies like the Innovation Village, uh, Centenary Tech, we're actually part of a program. We just got into a program called the LEAP program that's run by the Ministry of ICT. Uh, MTN the the
0: what program? LEAP. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. LEAP program. Yeah. Uh,
1: run by Ministry of ICT, in it, sorry, Ministry of ICT, uh, Centered Technologies, and the MTN Foundation. Hmm. And this is to like push and support innovations within the country, right? So, yeah, these are some of the things that they're actually doing. Um, I would say they're not seated and not ignoring they're actually building out something, and that's really cool to see.
0: Now, with, with, from your experience and from uh, all these different companies you've tried to work for, yeah. do you feel like there's room for collaboration like with us? Like, say, you've got Netflix, yeah. and how fast do you see that happening here?
1: Yeah, I, I'd say there's room for collaboration.
0: Um, like, big collaboration, where we have, like, UAP hiring all Facebook Next staff or something yeah. like, that from like
1: that. I think that's already happening. Um, I don't know if you've heard of Kasaiba Technologies. But yeah, Kasaba Technologies yeah, yeah, yeah. does hiring for Microsoft. Uh, and they're a Ugandan company. They do yeah. hiring for Microsoft across East Africa.
0: Oh, Which is okay.
1: That's very scary. impressive, right? So yeah, there's room yeah, for collaboration. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Another example is Sente. Sente uh, has a partnership with Visa where they're basically creating Visa cards for businesses, right? So these big partnerships can happen. I think we just need to show what. Because I think sometimes we approach these things in this way of thinking like Western or uh, international companies are savers, right? But at the end of the day, these are also business. They need to like make profit, right? So if you come to them with a proposition that shows them how they make that money, it's most likely going to happen, right? So we need to organize and create value propositions that don't position us as just beneficiaries, but also position us as... Contributors to their
0: success. So, so, yeah. How do you how how is Wape positioned to to be in such a position where they are they're adding actual value to? Yeah.
1: So how we are thinking of it right now is mm. it's very hard to map out the skill set and uh, expertise that exists within Uganda, right, or even East Africa. Mm-hmm. So our goal this year is can we map out and, like, profile between 10,000 to 50,000 people across the country in terms of the skill set they have, right? So that if an international company is... The benchmark
0: here is skill set, no qualification. Skills. Like, Mm
1: -hmm. what can you do? Mm -hmm. Can you design? Can you write? Mm -hmm. Starting with Mm -hmm. that, right? Mm -hmm. So that if a company is coming in, if Netflix is coming in, and they're like, okay, cool, we want to run a show in Uganda... How many script writers do we have? Mm, mm. How many video editors are available? How many of these right? That information is already available, so we are already doing this. Uh, and there's a company from the US helping us called Idea Foundry. Mm. Uh, they recently did a a investment of sorts to help us benchmark this and pretty much find out. But the idea is, can we then use that information to attract? conglomerates, big companies, and show them that, okay, you want to come to Uganda, these people are there, yes. these skill sets, these qualifications, and these these are the number of people available to do that, right? And we're also doing it in partnership with another company called Razi. Uh, Razi does more market intelligence. Yes. So they find out, is business there? And then we find out other people and talent needed to get you that business there.
0: Okay. Yeah. So with, with your experience, do you feel like it's it's now advisable for more young people here to venture into tech. Yeah. I would,
1: Do you I feel definitely. like
0: that's a now more defined career path? Yeah, I people? actually
1: believe it, it's very, very defined now. Yeah. Like a couple of years back, no one would even think of being like a software engineer as like a very, very successful
0: path. Mm-hmm. Um, because you know, I, I remember for me, um, Kenzia... Yeah. Kenneth, that's my Yeah, When he was he's also my elder brother, yeah. by the way. So when he had left campus, that's the first year software engineering was introduced at wow. MOOC. Yeah. Yeah. He had even flanked actually. But <laughs> yeah, because so, it was new, he would yeah, just pass. So, yeah, he went he was, I think he had thirteen points. Yeah. Yeah. Then he passed. But it, it has worked out for him, yeah. man. Like it's crazy. Right. Like it's defined and it, it's to me it's it takes you away from like, you can just work your job and yeah. do that.
1: Yeah, it definitely does. And I, I, it's, a, it's interesting that you actually talked about how you're software. Because, like, for me, similarly, yeah, I flunked. But I already knew I wanted to be a software engineer, right? Uh, that was, like, from Form 5 initially, pilot as a kid, then to architect. Then Form 5, before, I go around a Google search, and I'm like, what are the highest-paying jobs? And I'm like, I see lawyer, doctor, software engineer i never wanted to be a doctor, so I was out. Law was never a thing, but I was really good with computers. Yeah. So I was like, yo, if I'm really good with computers, why don't it really I just is. do this? Like, it will be effortless. So I did software engineering. But Form 6, I get my six points, man. Six points. I was like, yo, like, what, what did you do with six points? Um, Luckily, I get into Cavendish University. But I think, oh, wow. even more luckily, while I'm on vacation, I get my first job. I think I actually you mentioned this, but my journey starts as I was at home. My brother's friend comes. He used to have like a potato and choco company, so he comes home with this truck and he's like, "Wait, come and go and sell some choco and potato." So I jump on the truck. We we'll go around and uh, do, do to do sales. Then I get hired as a choco and potato vendor. So I move around with like a sack of choco and potato. Restaurant going with samples and being like, "Hey, you guys, our okay. potato and choco is yeah. good." So there I go to naka Business Park with their fancy offices, find this cool guy, I preach the potato. And then he's like, Hey, you've pitched very well, which comes to like my public speaking, right? So he's impressed with my pitch and tells me, Come back the next day, you're going to we're going to give you a job. I come back the next day, vacation, no experience, no nothing. They give me the job. They're like, Okay, what are you really good at? So I tell them, I'm good at uh, IT stuff, that's what I'm passionate about. So they give me an IT support role. From there, I uh, then get this scholarship with uh, Google and Udacity mm-hmm. to learn web development. And that's where I then get to meet Andela. So, first story short, Andela programming and everything, right? But that whole journey was defined by the fact I got six points. I was like, you know what? I got six points, but that's not going to define me. And as a software engineer, at the time, it really wasn't
0: a thing. Yeah. yeah, people were about that. To- the traditional professions—you exactly. have to be a doctor, a lawyer, an engineer, what not—and yeah, so now man. engineers are struggling so much in the country. But man, thing. <laughs> yeah. I hope there is no
1: reason they can right. Yeah, so I get into a data and then I do software engineering, and man, it's been—it's been, it's been uh, the best right Like I wouldn't change it for
0: anything. So, what inspires you to become like a tech leader?
1: I think what inspires me is like, yeah, the heat, like, like the problems we have. And sometimes it can be crazy. You can be there and then you notice that something's messed up and you're like, maybe I should build something for that. There are so many problems within Africa and Uganda that make it a very attractive opportunity
0: if you can see those problems, right? right. And I think for me
1: that's, that's golden. Being in a position where I know there will always be something that can be solved is amazing because these are challenge every real right time
0: hmm. yeah. what lessons have you learned for now yeah. that you can share <laughs> to I don't know if you have children yet but but <laughs> <that> when they <laughs> listen <laughs>
1: uh, lessons consistency is key and I think that's a fact those things they say 10,000 hours it's a fact man even in software engineering the more time you put into it uh, the better you get at it, so being consistent and putting in the time eventually pays off. Like hard work actually pays. That's the truth.
0: But I guess the benefit of how do you define your hard work? That's, that's what I'm saying. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> the benefit of social engineering
1: is that hard work doesn't mean like,
0: it's like sometimes working smart, right? But the time as well, like yeah, the dedication you put into it. Say uh, for Cristiano Ronaldo too to be that good. Yeah. He has to put in the work, the trainings, and whatnot. Now, for you to be good to write lines and code, yeah. how much time do you put in?
1: I'd say, f- recently, I've been putting in this time writing code, right? But at the start, I would put in close to, like, 16 hours over a day. 16 hours. And I did that, I think, for, like, a year and a half, or a I think two years. And I'd say that's when I experienced the most growth, man. It wasn't great in terms of like work-life balance, but I experienced a certain level of growth that was crazy. Hmm. And to put that into perspective, I grew from like a salary from earning one X to earning close thirty times what I was earning within that period.
0: How was that like in your mind, though? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's yes. crazy. <laughs> Money is insane. Money makes yeah, people go well. It, yeah. it was crazy. But I think what money kept me
1: grounded is that I was then putting that money back into the company that I'm building, right? But I can say it was, was very fruitful. Like, it felt good to see that my hard work is actually paying. So, yeah, 16 hours. You rest, sleep for 8 hours. But you don't need to do that much. You can say 10 hours of your day, right? Uh-huh. Um, I guess your 8 hours of work. And then 2 to 4 hours after that, learning something. The tip that I used to have is: I wake up in the morning, just put in like thirty minutes, uh, go on Medium, and read an article about like a tool or something yeah. around software engineering. It can be as simple as that.
0: What frameworks and libraries do you use? I use React,
1: uh, oh. JavaScript oh. as a primary language, and Python, but I use React a lot. Uh, but these days, what I'm into most is next days, Next.js, uh, Next.js. Oh. It's, it's like built on top of React, but it's a very performant. And I'd say the best way to build that way
0: these days. I see. Yeah. Do you feel like <clears throat> with the diversity of AI, yeah, it will take your job 1st us to start there.
1: I don't think so. I don't think so. Um,
0: will it? Yeah, will it be in the future where I can just put in prospects in AI and it writes my lines and yeah, yeah so I don't have to come that's to you. Possible.
1: That's very possible. But I think the question comes down to what's what's your job as a software engineer, right? If your job as a software engineer is to just write lines of code, then yeah, that's definitely going to get ticket. Because that's actually not even going to get ticket. It can happen right now. Because yeah. there's something called AutoGPT, which is like the next level of chat GPT, yeah. where uh, AI can now like work on autonomous tasks without with like, little to no human input. And with Auto GPT, you can tell it, I want to design a web page and it will write for you that code for how web right? But the catch is the code is not quality code, right? It's not to the level and understanding of, like, a business problem. Ah, so okay. If, okay. As a developer, you've hmm. been there and you're just writing code, just uh, dishing out code. Yeah, that part's already taken. But if you've been engrossing yourself in, like, the business side and understanding the things you're building, then that's something that AI can't take. Maybe in the future, but yeah. that's, like, 10, 15 years away from now. So for now, yeah, you're still pretty much safe if you go beyond writing code and also understanding like a business side
0: of things. But how do you imagine the future of AI and programming? Yeah, I imagine the future of
1: AI and programming being I wake up as a dev Hmm. and 70% of my work is done by AI. And 30% of what I'm doing now is the human... Input that AI can't do, right?
0: And so do you feel like the more times we, we're going to use AI, the more we erase the human input?
1: Not not entirely. I think we'll still need human input, but we we erase mundane or repetitive tasks that we used to do as humans. And I think that's a beautiful thing, man. Mm. Imagine, I don't know... I guess let's, let's give an example of, yeah, copywriters, right? Yeah. Because the copywriters would have to log their nuggets and look for copy and come up with like this wonderful thing. But right now, you just create a prompt and then have AI generate that copy for you, right? Now, most people think that copywriters are de facto, but I don't think that's necessarily true. They have just been upgraded, right? And for those who have learned how to use the technology they're earning more because imagine if it took you one day to write copy and it now takes you 10 seconds, how many clients can you have
0: within that same space of time? Millions. But here's the thing, though. Yeah? Yeah. Uh When you look at copy that you get from AI and how it's fancy, it's nice, but it it, it then starts to feel like radio and podcast. That's true. Yeah? So you see, like, how you, you sent me this bio, and then all this time you're thinking, okay, it's really just, just yeah. GPT automated. But then it's pretty cool. Like, when I read it, this is how I want to, say, introduce myself. Yeah. If, if it was mine, that's how I want to introduce myself. But now with copy, let's say social media for, like, social media handlers yeah. and whatnot, if they have to use copy AI. I feel so much automation then kills the cell's perspective of the whole thing. Yeah. Like... I'll ignore no. all tweets. and very true. Yeah.
1: Because they become like, they sort of become like a terminator.
0: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
1: so they speaking to each other. I guess that's true. But that comes with the thing I mentioned, right? If you're just focused on believing that AI is replacing you, then you just dish out that copy as it is. Whereas if you think oh, of definitely. AI as mm-hmm. a value addition, yeah, 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 like yeah, I see yeah, 70% yeah. of the work, 30% is you, you get that copy and then add like a personal touch to it. And I guess that's the human thing I was talking about, right? Humanizing.
0: We'll always need it yes. n- needs to be there. humanizing human. this
1: this output that we get from yeah.
0: So in like latest trends of web development what do you think what are your thoughts on 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 yeah on those trends? Yeah.
1: Um
0: do you also feel like there's need for businesses to have websites
1: Hmm, that's an interesting one. Um I still think yeah it's 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 important for businesses to have websites because if not websites then what, right? Social media? Yeah. But
0: social media Because then look be- at people's attention spans, <laughs> right? The website is like a whole big thing and you can you're literally just breaking down the website on social media all the time.
1: Yeah. But that's why websites have also evolved, right? If you look at most websites. The ones that have words and text and whatnot. are not going to get as much engagement. So you need to create your websites in such a way that they're engaging, right? So that's why you see, if you check out Apple's website, the the website doesn't have words talking about the devices. They have images, they have videos. Videos. As you're scrolling through, you're seeing this thing rather than reading about it, right? So I think that's what the future of websites is supposed to be like. If the attention span is low, What's capturing attention and do that? Um, I, I I don't think social media will replace websites. Mm-hmm.
0: I actually don't think that really. Yeah, but but what are your thoughts on web development in general, really? Yeah. Web well, development
1: in general, I think it's going to evolve, man. It's 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 definitely going to evolve, and AI is going to be at the center of that. Mm-hmm. Um, not only in terms of how we engage. <laughs> not crazy talking about how we engage because. The Vision Pro just came out uh, last week, right? Yeah. And you see these use cases that Apple shares, and you're like, okay, this is cool. Is this how we're going to be engaging with these things in the future, right? As a person, am I going to be wearing my Vision Pro, my VR headset, to scroll through this website? So if that's the case, we are now no longer building websites to have text and all this content. There are different
0: ways that's going to be Yeah. So yeah, I think it's going to evolve. <laughs> What are some challenges you've faced as a full-stack developer Hmm. you you want to share before you jump into your projects and
1: (laughs) yeah, um, I'd say it's sticking to one thing and it's great, but that's actually a challenge. Sometimes we get so engrossed in being multifaceted that you take on too many things and then you end up compromising on quality. So for me, that's been a challenge whereby I'm doing so many things and then I end up not doing uh, all of them so well. So it's something that you, I guess, learn with experience and get better at, but it's an actual challenge. Um, the other thing would be, I think, interacting with Ugandan mm. companies. Uh, and I'd already mentioned this, but my Ugandan people don't want to pay. Ugandan companies don't want to pay for the most part. You... You do amazing work, and oh no no not you do. They want you to do amazing work, amazing work, uh-huh. but not pay you enough for that amazing work, right? And I think that's still a challenge.
0: How do you want? Uh, I I totally understand that yeah. in in full context, right? But how do we define what your work's worth, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. yeah. Two things uh, when. When I was when I just I think when I just left campus I got straight into employment right. Yeah. African Internet Group took me on. Uh, then, so one day I, I was walking into office and yeah. one of our bosses, we just all of us had just come so we're negotiating contracts were done. And so the giving guy is like one point three million right. Yeah. So that's around three hundred dollars I think. Yeah. I don't know. Um. Uh, so this guy was on phone and saying, man, do you know in Africa, you can just give someone $300 and they'll work for you like a horse? So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. so how do we define... But by the way, to the people that were getting this money then, um, most of them were doing... Uh, yeah, they were looking at it as, okay, yeah, this is really brilliant start yes. for us. Like, we'll rise. This is it. Like, uh, average is, of course, below that. Yeah. So how do we define works Mm worth, yeah, in your perspective. Yeah, I think that's a very
1: interesting question. Um,
0: The way society
1: does it is something called a cost of living adjustment uh, like reports, right? And what that means is that they'll go around find out, okay, if a tomato is 100 shillings in Uganda, then this is how much we expect these people to be earning based off of that. If a tomato is 100 shillings, uh, this, they need this many tomatoes in a month, mm-hmm. so they then use that to define how much someone's supposed to be paid, right? And that's how it normally works. How do we then uh, change that? I think it's, it's sort of like a domino effect, yeah. right? If, let's say, each company was paying uh, their employee a minimum of two million a month. Mm-hmm. That means more buying power, more purchasing power. That means when people are coming to buy things, they're going to pay more, right? If people are paying more to buy things, that means businesses are earning more. If businesses are earning more, they're able to pay more, right? So do you see that sort of domino effect? The crazy thing is, though, where does it start from? Yeah, Is it the businesses that take that leap of faith and decide to pay more? Or is it like... No, but yeah, and I think it actually has to then start from the business.
0: Yes, yeah, it starts from the businesses. It starts from the businesses. They take a leap of faith to invest into their businesses exactly. by investing into their labor. Yeah. yeah.
1: And then in the long run, that's how it sort of comes back full circle. But I think in between there, there's a blocker, right? And it's either, and I say this with a grain of salt, it's either government, mm-hmm. and government in terms of if a business is making this money, yes, yeah. tax. How much are we taxing them? <clears throat> and then also individuals. Because you'll find that some of these companies that are paying people that much money are making sick profit.
0: Yeah. They but there are still companies pay. that make sick profit. And in, in just production alone, right? Yeah. You'd find... Uh, when Whenever I often like, drive out of Kampala, so when I pass Mukono, I find those companies, those factories. Yeah. So you find those people very early in the morning, say, you're moving on, that are going to work. Then one day you find out... It starts as a rumor... That they're getting 7,000 shillings a day. Hmm. Then you randomly talk to like two of yeah. them and they're getting like 4,000 actually. Some, the guy getting 7,000 is like a team lead, something like that. Yeah? yeah. But then you Google the company and look at Man. the, the muscles they're making. Well, you see the company's expansion, right? And you're like, yeah. but how is this possible?
1: See, so it, it also comes down to like the individual companies themselves, right? Because there are some companies who make a lot of money and in the, in return, again, like we said, it's just for mm. the business, invest that back into their people and they're those that want. But now yeah. that's where government again comes in. Right? Yeah. If we have regulations yeah. whereby yeah. that's actually sort of mandated in some sort of way, minimum wage and all, then it
0: happens. That makes sense. So the other thing, though, is um, again when when we're just people usually who who come to invest here and yeah. start businesses here. So my issue here is with the gap between organizations, how they are run, yeah. and the communication between organizations and the people they decide to employ, their the employees. Yeah. So the thing I've observed the most, and I've worked for almost all the online marketplaces that I've studied here, yeah. Jumia, Kilimo, whatnot all yeah. of them, is they come with a, an already designed model. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Say uh, they'll come with an Amazon model, yeah. and they want it to work here, then they'll force it to work here <laughs> when it definitely cannot work here. And then that either they will downsize employees in the, in the long run or they will cut salaries so they can try and forge some sort of expansion. Yet they're actually playing with a lot of money, right? They're almost like seal company companies. They have all these investors that keep giving this money. So there's that. Uh, they fail to actually realize business here. What do you think about that? Is there business here for these companies, the labor or just how these companies are run? Most companies. Yeah. Now, like, you've also been in the startup space. Yeah. You.
1: I, th- I think there's business for these companies, right? <laughs> but I love, actually, how you framed it. They come here with this Silicon Valley mindset yeah. and these ideas that are foreign and try to uh, indoctrinate them onto like locals. And that really never works. And I think one market that has shown this perfectly is India. You go to India with your... US I, way of doing things, man, it's not going to work. You need to have locals come in and actually implement these things for you and build it specifically for that market. Mm. Now, where it's interesting is that something that actually works in India might possibly work in Africa.
0: Yeah. Because they're But also, um, I had Hilary Bamlinda on this podcast. Yeah. I think it was the first episode of season two. Yeah. So, one of the things he mentioned that matters. Now, he's into production. I yeah. have also worked for him at some point so we, we Kenneth was asking him back and forth on to why he chooses to invest into the areas he invests yeah. in, so he talks about production, things he's investing in chocolate, gum chocolate, mm-hmm. and whatnot, urbanban yeah. and so many other things. Now, he says that he looks at trends in the u s a because he's sure that things that work in the u s a eventually work here, yeah right say for example, this podcast the podcast in the. UK, USA make people a lot of money. I yeah. don't have to work a second job. Yeah. I just have to sit down, I use my connect, get people like you that have something to like, share, then I make money off that. Yeah. From, but, but here, it's the the, the, market, the content market is still struggling. Guys want to spoil your content, then they give you peanuts for it. Mm-hmm. then they can't even factor into it. So there's that. There's the fact that he says what works in the US eventually mm-hmm. works here. And I have that same faith, but yeah. then I have seen companies come with models that are the Silicon Valley mindset, and they yeah. fail here. Okay. Or they have to—they take so much time, then they—they they now have to put the burden onto employees by downsizing them, or they close. Yeah. Really, they close shop. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah.
1: I think that's true, think I see, but the thing comes into approach and implementation, right? Mm-hmm. And I think the simplest story can show this picture is, if you look at Amazon in the U.S., not even Amazon. Um, yes, let's look at Netflix, right? Uh, Netflix in the U.S., people can pay with credit cards and whatnot. Right? Yes. And then when Netflix comes to Africa, they first start with, okay, they're only going to stick to people paying with credit cards and debit cards and whatnot. But eventually they realize, guys, this is not a cashless economy either you implement mobile money, money and all these money. other things okay. or you're actually not going to get customers. So they eventually have to do the same, right? And I think that's that's where it comes down. Like, on, Wait, oh.
0: you can... I, I didn't even think I can pay Netflix mobile money now. In, a, in Uganda, not yet. Yeah. But like in other regions, it's oh, yeah. actually supported, yeah. right? Yeah. So... That's th- mean, seeing as we, we introduce mobile money. <laughs> Please go. <laughs> but, yeah, that's
1: crazy. But you look at the the general idea is paying for TV, sorry, paying for movies online and that works. But how are you implementing that that always changes? Mm. Another example is Uber, right? Yeah. Again, Uber also came with the same notion, uh, okay, so they're expanding into territories. And I think you should the Uber story is like one of the most brilliant or like up and down stories when it comes to building startups, the expansion, right? Because they would come to these areas and they want to again do credit cards. But no one uses credit Credit cards, cards, man. No one uses credit cards. And if they're hard-headed and they stick to that, they're not going to make money. So they now have to adapt and introduce things like cash, introduce things like mobile money. Uber now actually has mobile money. They even have where you can load. So things like
0: that. They have wallets, right?
1: They even have wallets, right? So things like that are, are what companies need to do if they are getting into these markets. And they can only do that if they have made their research right? Mm. And sometimes they do, but how are they making that research? They'll send someone, white person to come and ask you questions.
0: That's that's so sure true.
1: What else mm. do you expect to get, right? And that's, and maybe this is missionlessly plugging, but that's why I think companies like Razi like makes sense. Because Razi runs this thing where they get gigs for like normal people like you or myself, yeah. and you go on Razi and you then are given a gig to ask questions about products. So you can like go to a shop and you're asking about, uh, how much is the cost of Colgate? Um, is it is Colgate the only brand that you have in this shop for toothpaste, right? Or do you have Fresh Up? Do you have these other things? And as a logo asking you those questions, you're bound to like give a more appropriate response, right? Because you can start it tough as like a conversation. If yeah. so a white man came and asked you, you also sometimes maybe want to impress or you sometimes go to hold back that information, right? So those small nuances that go into getting into a territory, sorry, a territory, I think uh sometimes define whether these companies will be successful or not but the
0: overall ideas are bound to work now now that for you you're building here yeah. how how have you desi- designed your strategy Man. in terms of yeah, your strategy and, and execution like how are you bridging that gap because yeah. see now for us see yeah i wake up in the morning now there's even chat gpt yeah tell it you prompt it gives you strategy then you tailor it then comes execution, my mm. friend. Even when you have the money.
1: Yeah.
0: Yeah. That's true. How are you going about that?
1: Man, I think it's a constant learning journey. That's, the truth. that's true. Um,
0: Do you feel like you, you have to reinvent stuff? Yeah. Okay, I just finish, then I'll yeah. tell you how this works. I think a lot.
1: It. Um, it's a constant journey that's changing, right? Hmm. For example, if we try something this month or for like the next three months, you realize that it's no longer working, so you have to try something else. But how fast we are strategizing and building that is what determines if we're alive or not. Um, and crazy enough, that's something that you then learn from like Silicon Valley and startups outside, right? Because yeah. they build very fast. Learn, build fast, break things very fast, right? And I think that's how we have tried to do it. Maybe not as fast because, yeah, there are some things that have been slow. And that comes down again to the money to mm-hmm. be able to experiment. But for us, it's, yeah, having that notion at the back of the head we're trying something to see if it works. If it doesn't work, we should be open to the idea that we need to try out something else.
0: How much money do you have? People who have the luxury to experiment and try and error.
1: And that's why it's been slow for us, right? Like We can't do it as fast as them, but it's honestly the best way you can.
0: I agree with you 100%. I just remembered uh, my most previous job, the, the deal was to Try and error, really. Yeah. Uh, there's no available data on staff, so you have to first of all develop the data and yeah. try and error. Yeah. But much as I believe these people had a lot of money, they still could not stomach that process mm. through. Yeah. So for you, how how did you develop the hard skin to just <laughs> let me do this for life? <laughs> Man, I think it's, it comes down to why you're there. True. It really
1: comes down to why you're there. Because, man, there are days when I think I could have given up on WAPI and been like, man, why am I putting all this money into this? But for me, WAPI was always something that's dear and to the rest of the team that I built this with, right? Because we have been in that situation where, man, you can't find a job opportunity. But it's not that you're, like, the worst person. You just don't have access to, like, the right networks or the people to get you there, right? So... That constant reminder of being that gap between people getting that is what gives you blind
0: faith and you're like, man, let's keep doing it. Let's keep doing it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's that's really super dope. Though. Yeah. Uh, let me see. What else that organized to go about? <laughs> So, yeah, let's talk about some of the most challenging projects you've worked on. Uh, if you can, take yeah. us through, like, details.
1: <laughs> uh, I think the most recent one, which I've worked on, developing six platforms at once. Go,
0: yeah.
1: You know, it's, uh, it's been actually quite challenging, but a lot of lessons and learnings, right? And that's why I see sometimes we try to do things differently. When we started, we didn't have the demos. Now we have the weekly demos, now we have all these things. And yeah, it's it's been one of the most challenging things because we want to do something really cool for you guys and mm-hmm. deliver this quality. And we also have to use like resources available to pull off the same thing. So it's been, I don't know if I can talk about it fully. Yeah, yeah. you can. Come. Yeah, so we're building uh, with you guys, I think we cloud restaurants, and then also revamping the websites for the party, the villa, and the maze, right? Mm-hmm. And also some other cool stuff coming. So through that process of how to work with a lot of our talent, uh, the designers at the initial stage, then the developers, and then also sort of having a product manager like Brandon, who does that for us. And it's been a challenge but an interesting challenge. Because if we're able to pull this off, um I think it will open up a lot more opportunities. So also
0: define like your 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 strength, right? Yeah, yeah, it will really
1: define that, right? And I think hmm, the other. Now, in
0: terms of now, let's say yeah. Uh, yeah, say now, like for for us, in terms of business development, yeah, how much value do you pick from this project for your own personal gains? Like, yeah. I, I feel like it's a roller coaster, right? Today yeah. you're doing cloud restaurants; the next time you're doing some guy doing some Uber-like thing. Yeah, or, yeah. Like, where's your mind at with all these businesses? Do do you feel like Okay, you're everywhere, you have to understand (laughs) everything. Yeah, I think
1: for now, yeah, that's true. We are sort of everywhere. And that's because, man, we need that money.
0: Mm -hmm. So we have
1: to build everywhere. But I think along along the line, right, in the future, we'll have developed a sort of niche, right? And we'll say, okay, so we're good at building, but this is what was specifically good at building. And these are the expertise uh, we can give okay, you. Okay. Right now, I'm hoping that that can be AI. Hmm. Uh, and the future I'm thinking of for Wapi is, can we center ourselves as the one-stop development partner for companies that want to incorporate AI into their businesses, right? And we're going to try that out with some products that are going to be rolling out soon. So we're trying to think in that direction.
0: Um, and yeah, that, that may be where we go. Success, rewarding projects. This 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 room models were yeah. challenging. Uh, uh successful I'd say the KTA symposium. Uh, how do you define the success in this case? Can I give you a heavy check? <laughs> <Is it? laughs> no, no, no. It shouldn't be the
1: heavy check. Um, but it would be have people used it and like there are very many people found value. Yes. I, would like I actually
0: really at the symposium, it. yes. Yeah. I applaud
1: you for that um, really greatly are we yeah. also getting other people coming in because of that yeah. which has been the case like people who use that symposium platform were like very impressed I was among those people yeah we've yeah. kept on getting more people coming through it right and that's what we try to push for and hopefully when we also release these cloud restaurants with you guys and these products yeah. people find value so yeah it, it comes from like people using it and like being excited about it
0: yeah. Yeah. so what are some of the most interesting technologies you've worked with Mm-hmm. And someone in that expression
1: yeah um, so you
0: can just go deep into them and that's, see that's, why what was challenging what did you do i
1: would, I would say I, crazy enough i worked with chat gpt before all you guys knew it was chat gpt that was in 2021 when they just released their gpt3 uh model, model yeah yeah so <clears> the <throat> startup i was working with them called pareto the idea was that we wanted to sort of think about how can we use GPT-3 to classify tasks and do a lot of this repetitive work. So I was then tasked with coming up with a solution that uses GPT-3 to classify user requests. Okay, if, a, if an entrepreneur comes in and is like, I want you to find me uh, 50 software engineers in the US who know react, how can we classify that and break it down in such a way that we divide it and know, okay, this lady... Is working on it is going to do this. Uh, This is how much we're going to charge for it. Uh, These are the resources they need. And this is uh, how we're going to structure it when outputting the data. So in that case, I had to build out a system that uses GPT-3 to interpret that information, classify it, and then also interact with Google APIs to turn that information that has then been collected and actually present it into a sheet that's then connected to Stripe for payments and bills, this person, so that was a very interesting yes. thing to work on. Yeah, yeah, uh, because at yeah. that time again, GPT wasn't a thing, but it was cool. My first interaction with the AI. Um, let's see, what other cool ones have I worked on?
0: I have I also it's... just remembered worked on Transport Me before Uber came here, uh-huh. so we had done a hailing thing, but for yeah. us, it was mostly for the cab guys, right? Yeah. These guys with. Uh, that moves things. Yeah. So that was the intention uh-huh. of like, okay, in the future, maybe if people are so shifting homes, yeah. we see a lot of people moving and they don't have access to these people. So you can just get from your community. The money lacked uh, and then Uber sick. came. <laughs> then we tried to pitch to Uber and, uh, uh, and yeah. they didn't buy it. Yeah. yeah, I guess that's the that's problem. <laughs> um, oh, yeah. The
1: other interesting one, we have, oh, we have done some work with Nita.
0: Uh, Nita Uganda you guys so, will slow down our ideas <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah we've done some work with Nita Uganda uh, which was also very interesting we ran for them they had something called the Nita e government awards and again it was also oh like the symposium yeah it was like a symposium. so we also did that for them um, and they are also very happy um and then there's also another project to work on with them. And I don't know if I'm allowed to say so, but <laughs> it was about uh, creating, I'll just give a high level, I won't go into detail. Mm. It was about mapping out the internet penetration with this project that Nita has been running around, uh, spreading out uh, what's it called, fiber across the country. So the task was can we create an application? That when the president checks out, he can visually see how the internet is moving throughout the country via, via maps. And when he clicks on a point, it presents the information and whatever internet points are put up there. Clicks on this, shows the government power was connected to the internet. That was also something worked. With.
0: What was the value then there? It was just to show
1: the president how the internet penetration has spread across the country. She uh-huh, okay. never got to interact with it.
0: That's the sad thing. Like, she just to it, but you didn't get to use it. But yeah, it's also pretty cool. That maybe could also uh, create reason for allowing Starlink if mm. they, they can understand the yeah. penetration. Yeah. Correct. Cool. So, yeah, <laughs> so let's switch into like Twitter. Yeah. With uh, Elon Musk's new algorithm.
1: Yeah.
0: Do you do you find Twitter cool? Have you have you noticed significant mm-hmm. difference?
1: yeah i it's uh I think in, in some sort of way it is good but there's also definitely that bad the good for me is that I now get to like receive content from people who I don't follow but it's sort of relevant to me right like even if I'm not following this person I'm constantly receiving I don't like their that. content I could actually
0: like it because for it's me. addictive, yes. Fine, yeah. like you like <laughs> <He is mine. laughs> but That's why I don't like it. I'm like, no, yeah. you got me again. Yeah. <laughs> why that's you bring me look, gambo boy? That I like didn't choose to,
1: to you know. Yeah. So I think that's pretty cool. It has enabled me, and because of me, use Twitter for learning a lot of. I think a lot of my AI knowledge actually comes from Twitter. Mm. Because I'll scroll through. I it's
0: pretty cool. Yeah, if if you can just combine the algo and uh prospect some few things with like bad, and you can write you a code on how to like make your tweets viral or what code, what tweets, what they're using to like give priority to tweets. So there's that information, yeah, yeah. I think that's part of the beauty of this
1: takeover with Twitter, but I think that now sad side is. And in our case, we are developing something called WAPI spaces, right? Um, and this WAPI spaces that's that's the thing we're doing with like Next Media, right? Yeah. And the idea here is that we're creating a platform that sort of enables uh, influencers or creators uh, monetize how, how they like earn, right? And that would heavily depend on the Twitter API because we then need to plug into a Twitter API and get, like, analytics on how these people's posts are doing and then use that to create billing for these creators, right? But the
0: problem now with that and with the new takeover... No, that's it's super cool. Yeah. Yeah, it is. yeah okay. Because right now the biggest issue now with the influencers, sorry to, to just cut your yeah, shirt, right, is, is conversion, right? Yeah. Uh, how you work with them and how, say, you... Say you're pushing an event, yeah. how you convert the influencer making the noise on Twitter mm-hmm. to a BSL, yeah. to write down to that value to the actual sales, yeah. and that, that exactly. looks like something. So that's sort of what we we're actually looking to tackle. But also on in the influencer side, it's mm-hmm. imagine
1: if you are an influencer with like 5,000 or 2,000 followers, you're still, you still have some reach, right? So you don't necessarily need to have 100,000 followers to be able to earn, but with that reach, you can go ahead and Let's assign uh, an influencing deal with Uvotam and you post content. And Uvotam pays you based on how many people interact with that content because the metrics are available. Mm. It even can go ahead to pay you based on how many people clicked, how many people signed up, because all that information is available. But now the problem comes in, which, which is what I was alluding to, is Twitter now charges for, there's a free version, which they still have, but that limits in terms of how many API requests and how much access you have. And then from the free version, the next one is $1,200 a month. Right? Wait, if, the free version or... And the one, the Twitter Blue? No, no, not the Twitter Blue. Now this is like the Twitter developer API. Yeah, oh because yeah. We're now yes. we're building on their developer API. So they have the free version, but to access more data, oh, yeah. you now yeah, need to yeah, pay yeah. around $1,200 a month. And you're like... That's a load of
0: money, man.
1: Right? And But it's worth
0: the value, right? Uh yeah, the value just explains. At the enterprise level? It. Yes, yes. Right.
1: If we're closing contracts of people like let's say Netflix or Coca Cola all these big companies, yeah, it makes sense. But if we're working with like the small companies <clears> that we're <throat> working with, it it desert doesn't does not work out. So I guess that's that's the crazy meat of the acquisition. But I still think Elon is building He's building
0: something really cool. Um, yeah, and the bots. The bots, man. Because then, with all this air, I feel like it's yeah. easier. We are interacting with so many bots. Also, with how easily our data is being manipulated, mm. right? Yeah. So, right now, phones listen. Yeah, it doesn't. You don't have to have texted someone. Yeah, uh, my phone is going to probably show me more WAPI ads yep. after this conversation. <laughs> yeah, <right. laughs> no, it's crazy. So that, um, do you feel like he has, there's like need to fight the bots? Or I also feel like it was just more of an echo to the fact that there are now bots operating and people should, should just be aware of that. That's,
1: that's a good question. I, I'm honestly going to say I'm not really sure, right? Mm. Because my... The way Elon thinks is, is it's it's very unconventional, right? So he says yes he's fighting the bots. um, but you realize the the CEO, the now CEO of Twitter is a is an advertising mogul, Yeah. Right? She's a person very experienced in advertising. So in the long run I feel like, yeah, bots, but at the end of the day, I think it's also a play on how can they monetize Twitter. Because he invested $44 billion. Yeah.
0: So it has to come back.
1: It has to come back. And we are already seeing that. Because for example, again, the developer APIs are now 1200 oh, right.
0: Then organization over oh, 1, verified $1,000. verified yeah. $1,000,
1: right? So in some sort of way, the money is definitely coming in. Will he create more value? I think he will. Because you, you see he now has the super follow mm-hmm. for creators which I think is an amazing thing, because creators can now earn with that. The problem with that, again, is that, of course, it's available for people that side first before it gets yeah. here. But when it gets here, yeah, it will start to make sense.
0: So, yeah. Will it be... Do you think you, you'll you be paying for all these things? You pay for Netflix, you have to pay for Internet to Access YouTube, then you have to yeah. pay... Uncle Mo.
1: <laughs> <laughs> My, I like Uncle Mo's quoted, I think yeah, I will do it. I think I will do it, because...
0: What are the odds that you'd switch from consuming TikTok content yeah. for free? Yeah. To paying for it on Twitter.
1: How long is TikTok content going to be free for though? Yeah, that, there's also that.
0: It will go to Rambo also, content. Okay? <laughs> <laughs> we'll some sort of way all these
1: people monetize
0: and but then the creators don't have, have money. Yeah? This is also yeah. the argument, like, say, with the streaming platforms. Yeah. How much Apple takes, in terms of value, add to yeah. the actual creators. Well, uh, people now earn off millions, and yeah. I think they are surviving off their creations. Yeah. But the bigger scale is, I am not earning any single shilling of this podcast. But, yeah. Yeah. But I've published episodes for yeah. for two years now. On YouTube. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, with, with really good watch time, I think I've... Okay, now we have started monetizing on yeah. YouTube. The numbers have reached. But... What are the odds that people will go and subscribe to to pay an extra shilling, right? Yeah. For the content online? Because already, see, content firms here find it... They don't want to invest in content. Yeah. They still don't want to give you money for content. Even though, really, it's it's quite evident that... Things like video content are the future. That's what people yeah. are consuming, but it's still a battle. So for us, again, what we are creating, we're also creating an app where we can just own all the content. Like <clears throat> do say a UvoTerm app where mm-hmm. you can access. So we do just not this podcast, right? Yeah. we have some several other podcasts. Then we also produce podcasts for people who are yeah. interested in podcasts. So want to like have a collection of all this content, mm-hmm. something similar to what Afro Mobile is doing, yeah. I think, but. We had the idea first. They just have so much more money. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, but also we want for creators, right? Mm. So we have like a, where you have control on your content. Yeah. On Twitter, basically now Twitter has made it easier. It's almost yeah. the same thing. You go, you have control on your content, not you post you earn from it. So we wanted to do something like that. Mm-hmm. But how scalable it could be? Because uh, you look at the music industry, right? Yeah. The creators would rather put the product out there, it's consumed, mm. and that acts as the advert, right? Mm. Their products are adverts for yeah. them to make money. So yeah, there's that. What are your thoughts on that? My
1: thoughts on that are something that I don't know if I'm over giving out the things we're building, but to that, <laughs> no one is going to steal you. I just <laughs> yeah, trust and again, it the just advances, it. The idea, execution is always what exactly. But, and I, I wish more. I wish more people in uganda do that because people me. feel fear to share their things because like ah, there's still my idea what what
0: mm. Come on. but it's an idea it's really an idea yeah, until it's it's okay. i agree idea. yeah so
1: uh but also doing something now you see that events thing we do with the kta and all these other guys we're trying to expand that into becoming something of a pay-per-view sort right whereby if let's say you want to air out these episodes um, and you want people to get them, you can send out trailers or like you can send out snippets of these episodes. And then if someone wants to view a single episode, you charge them maybe like 500 shillings. It doesn't need to be a load, but like you're charging them for just that one view, right? So they can watch this episode as long as they pay that 500. It's different from where someone has to pay subscription to access content that sometimes is maybe not... ...content they want, right? Yeah. Like what we do with DSTV, right? Exactly, yeah. right? So imagine a situation, and, and where we think it makes more sense... ...it may not make as much sense for podcasts... ...but it can make sense for people... ...who are constantly generating video content, right? A biggest example would be, for example, like Comedy Store. Imagine if Comedy Store... ...that's always airing out its free content on uh, YouTube... Hmm. ...was charging people... ...to access the live show... ...even if
0: they're not physically there. Right? What so they do with, with with YouTube. Where people are accessing the shows for no, free. They can still do YouTube
1: because I think that's like what you talked about, right? Yeah. Putting out content there that's free yeah. that attracts people. Yeah. But they cap that content. True.
0: Right. To maybe most interesting or like
1: to yes. to segments. To arouse some interest. Yeah. So that's someone who is now an actual interested person can go and pay for them to get this content. And we're still exploring and figuring out if it's feasible or not. But we think that's one of the ways we can give back to creators on top of what we're doing with WAPI Spaces. Mm-hmm. And in WAPI Spaces, it's because you're sharing your content on Twitter, you're an influencer. Well, WAPI Spaces is like... Define the product. WAPI Spaces is like a monetization dashboard for
0: creators who do social media content. So, I I upload my my content to WAPI? Yes. In this case?
1: No, no, no. You, you upload it on... On, uh, what's it called? on Twitter, right? But as you're uploading that content, you already have an agreement with, like, let's say, a small shop down in Kochi Towers that mm-hmm. I'm going to share this tweet. And if it generates this much, this is how much you're paying me. You may be paying me 50 shillings per interaction.
0: I, I still don't follow. Okay,
1: yeah. So <laughs> think of yourself as an influencer, right? Mm-hmm. You have 10,000 followers. Mm-hmm. I am Collins. I have a. A shop that sells shoes. Shoes, right? Mm. I need to put my shop out there, but I can't afford to go to like these big, uh I guess, influencer managing firms, right? That go the agencies and
0: not right. Yeah.
1: So I approach you, and I'm like, I need to get fifty sales from my product, right? Okay. The deal is, I'll pay you either five hundred shillings per sale. per, per sale, right? Yeah. And then maybe 50 oh, like the shillings. like a percentage extra. of every sale, right? Yes. Yeah. 50 shillings extra per person who gets to see it, right? How do I know someone has seen it? Because Twitter has that information.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: So each time someone sees the product, as an influencer, I'm earning. But as a business person, I know I'm getting exposure, right? So versus a situation where you're running an ad with Facebook and Facebook is the one getting all this money, here you're running an ad with the influencer and they're the ones earning from it. Right? So directly giving back to like the people or the creators on these platforms.
0: Oh, yeah. Okay. Now I totally, 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 totally follow. Well, is it operating already? Yes, uh, Yeah. Okay. I think we'll sign up yeah. for that. So
1: that's that's how we figure it. And then on the other side, the pay-per-view is content can then be paid per view. And yeah, that, that one, it, it works in the US uh, because
0: like both. So do I have to like sign up?
1: Yeah, you just create an account, right? Um, and then you pay. Like you create an account, your email, password. I pay whenever
0: I'm going to watch. Yeah, something. Whenever
1: going to watch. If you're not going to watch, you're not
0: paying. Don't you feel like I'll be frustrated by transactions? I don't think so. Because oh, no, it would be like whenever I want to take a safe border right? Mm-hmm. I pay. Yeah. Okay, okay, okay. What are your plans for the future?
1: I want to start an angel like inter- investing would like a VC fab like that's a big plan now because I've been frustrated with lack of access to capital so now the next problem I want to solve is access to capital
0: how do you suppose you're going to solve this problem
1: simple make money make sure what is successful earn money and then yeah give back into that or build networks with people who have had money oh. and then use
0: that okay okay Do you have... um, We usually conclude with this thing where we ask people to... How do they say it? The question is running out of (laughs) (laughs) my head. Legacy, that's it. What legacy are you trying to leave behind? As Colin. Yeah. Um, I'd say...
1: And this comes down to why I started or chose WAPI. Um, Because I'd like to think of that as my first legacy or my legacy. Um, I wanted to build something that is not going to just be there for now. I wanted to build within an industry that has been there for ages. And for me, when I thought of that, it was jobs. Like jobs are going to be something that's always there because humans will always need to work. So for me, my legacy would be
0: even with AI in clear? Yeah, even mm-hmm. with AI okay. those robots would
1: still need to work <laughs> it's still a job so my legacy would see what we transcend and like continue to be that I guess job sport right hmm. um, but beyond that have I also impacted people along the way
0: yeah
1: and I would like to think so. If you have a job
0: and you're earning, definitely. That's like, Mm -hmm. I feel like, yeah, that's the biggest way you can impact someone. Yeah, but it's a pretty dope problem to solve around here. I mean, when people, everyone is always looking for a job. Like, people need jobs, people need to be earning, and it's it's not healthy. Do you feel like we do not get good career Mm -hmm.
1: guidance? Do you feel
0: like that's lacking?
1: That's definitely.
0: So do you, don't you feel like Wape should since you're providing a job market right, should also invest in informing the job market yeah. itself? Yeah, I think we definitely
1: can. Uh, we have plans to do so. No, oh, yeah. Through master classes. Yeah. Uh, but for now, the focus is on uh, let's first do one thing right mm-hmm. and then get to that.
0: No, I've been looking for a partner. Mm-hmm. It's on those master classes, right? Yeah. Because you have to like record them. Yes. And I was telling you, so this is like one quarter of. Our business. Yeah. I, I just keep here, but we, we're investing into real actual production, right? So we have big cameras, we have heavy equipment, we yeah. have cranes, we have bigger lights. So we we believe we with equipment we yeah. are sorted to like do the production. Nice. No one to like we've not gotten really big business. Mm-hmm. Um it's also the market is weird, right? Yeah because when you look at like people like songs avenue their story they have they have to venture into so many things to get actual business for, mm. for their production they have to go into artist management yeah. you have to like expand big so with us you have you realize we we now want to switch away just from the content production to like maybe doing full-blown like a marketing agency where mm. we're doing digital marketing for people so that then there we can bring the value because mm. i know the podcast yeah um we don't make money from it, even though yeah. people want to like sponsor and they've yeah. wanted. we we've just not good and good deals. Yeah? Deals where we feel like, okay, now, yes, we can get out of our comforts for yeah. that. But what it does for us right now is that since people can listen to it and it gets traction mm. and they see us doing it consistently, then they're, they're interested in yeah. the services, maybe do their own podcasts and the equipment. Mm. So it just markets you water for now and it's doing that pretty well. Almost so, all our business yeah, is from just this podcast true. here. Wow, that's
1: really cool. yeah, I've, I've actually been seeing the comments and the figures are very consistent. Yeah, like a snippets, you know where you post like a snippet. Yeah. And it does look okay.
0: like really, really cool. Yeah, we're trying. Yeah. But like with you, man, also. Yeah, for me, unless you have any other questions from your side? Uh, no, I think that's, technical. that's pretty much this it. Is, uh, this is uh, it. Right. Right. Yeah,
1: just very honored to be an ordinary person uh, being hosted on this
0: podcast, yeah. I know I'll bring you back. Um, so I'm a host, but I also produce now the whole yeah. podcast. So I'll produce a conversation with Jan Kenneth, yeah. make it a little bit technical. Uh, yeah. And yeah, with very many ideas that that we could share. Sounds that great. That's it. Okay. Thank you, Colin. Okay.